Hello, everyone, and welcome into Senior Living Live. My name is Melissa. We appreciate you joining us for our final webinar of 2021. It's called Aging Well, the Greatest Gift of All. Colin Milner, he is our guest speaker today. He's got quite a few ideas you can incorporate in your day-to-day -day living, starting with the new year. We've all got New Year's resolutions, right? But we want to add to those today. Colin will be available to answer all of your questions following his presentation, so don't be shy. In order to be a part of the conversation, just scroll down to the bottom of your screen where it says Q&A, and I will be happy to read all of those questions to Colin at the end of the webinar. Now, this webinar, just so that you all are aware should last about an hour so settle in let's get started colin the floor is all yours take it away well thank you very much melissa i am thrilled to be here today and uh, to chat with everybody that is uh, uh on the line today so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about as melissa just mentioned aging well the greatest gift of all and for anyone who is not uh, been well or not lived uh, well, we certainly know what the opposite of all of that is. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to lay a little bit of the foundation for this uh, so that we can have a, a great conversation and also answer some questions at the end of this. I'm going to start with a very simple slide, as you can see here, 78.5. That is the average life expectancy of an individual in the US today, or in 2019, according to the World Health Organization. We have lived 30 years on average beyond what we were at the turn of the 1900s. The exciting part is that we're living longer, much longer as it turns out, because in Three, actually three years ago, uh, when my father passed away, I was curious how many people that were born in the year that he was born were still alive and thriving. By the way, this is my grandmother, meet Merle O'Hara. Merle is, uh, or granny as I like to call her, is uh, 110 years of age. And she is a great example of somebody who lives a vibrant life. Unfortunately, my dad did not. And I was curious what others were doing. So I checked it out and found that 42% of people, babies uh, that were actually born in 1933, three years ago, turned 85, 42%. So when we look at the averages, you know, those are just averages. They take into consideration an awful lot of different factors. But the reality is many of us, if not most of us, uh, if we live a good, healthy life, will live well beyond 85 years of age. Uh, on average, if you reach 85, you will live another six years on average. But these are just averages. Now, why do I start with longer life because we have been chasing long life for a hundred plus years now uh Ponce de Leon with uh, the fountain of youth uh but the reality is today it is not about longer life we're living longer the question is are we actually living better and that's what we're going to talk about today is how to live better and how to squeeze the juice out of life. So 
if we look at that, what people forget to tell us is that we live, but how well can we live? Well, as it turns out very well, if we actually earn our health span. So what is our health span? Well, it is the amount of time on average that uh, we will live in poor health. And this can be throughout our life or this can be towards the end of our life. But our goal is to minimize the uh, expected years in poor health and to expand our health span. And to do that, we actually have to earn it. As this picture demonstrates, simply walking is one way to try and earn your health span. I don't think anyone wants to spend their last 10 or 12 years in ill health, uh, especially today when we know that there's an awful lot we can do to actually earn our health span back. So with that said, what I'm gonna do today is I'm gonna actually explore how aging well has become this great gift that we each, each and every one of us have the opportunity to uh, embrace. No matter where we are, we can always live better, a better quality of life. And no matter what our circumstance, we can always try and live a better quality of life. So the key is whether we want to open the gift and see what, what's in it and what it means to us. That's what we're gonna do today. So are you ready? Do you all like opening gifts? Because here we go. Well, maybe not so quick. Uh, the wonderful world of technology. As we go down this path, I'd like us to start with the end in mind. What is our goal? And that is 90% of Americans believe that healthy aging is all about being able to do the things you want to do, when you want to do them and with who you want to do them. So I'd like to give you a slight demonstration of what that actually looks like. And then we can talk about this and other elements after this very short video. Thank you. 
as you can see, this uh, gentleman had an end in mind for taking up physical activity. Whatever your goal is and whatever your approach is, it's not just physical activity, it's living a life uh, to the fullest. And how do we get there? That's always a question. If that's what the end goal is for that gentleman, uh, and his end goal was being able to hold his granddaughter up to the Christmas tree, how do we get there as individuals and as a society? Well, the first thing is we need to change the way we perceive aging in this country and around the world. According to Dr. Joseph Coughlin, uh, director of MIT's Age Labs, you know, Joe, when I interviewed him not that long ago, said the greatest barrier to creating a better, longer life is how we currently conceive old age. Then about six months later, uh, this cover came out from MIT and it said, old age is over. But if you're a good lawyer, you would look down at the bottom and see it says, if you want it. And what they mean by if you want it is, as I mentioned, earning your health span. You need to actually put in an effort to change that trajectory of what the last 12, 10, 9, 8, for my dad, it was 12 years may be. To help us with that, the great thing is that we're starting to change the way we view many things around aging. Today, we look at retirement not as a, a time to slow down and uh, sit and watch the world go by, but as a new chapter in life. So if our attitudes are changing, what else needs to change? Well, the first thing is that we need to stop thinking about uh, focusing on what used to work and focus on what is working. Not to focus all of our energies on fighting the old, but in building the new. And if we're going to build the new, whether it's a new healthcare system, whether it's a new you, we need to look and say, what is the way forward? How do we actually get there? And how we get there is going to be based on uh, a model like this. This is a new model. You, no one else in the world has actually seen this. Uh, we will be introducing this our association that represents about 10,000 uh, communities around the country will be introducing this in January. And we believe that it all starts with you as a person. Whatever you look at and the services that you seek should all be focused on you and person-centered. And then helping you to live a purposeful life. What is that? Not just finding purpose, but the things you do being purposeful. And to do that, being interconnected with individuals and interdependent, and I will explain all of these in a minute uh, and show you examples of how to achieve these and also achieve independence. As you saw in the advertisement there, independence comes with uh, wonderful benefits. And to achieve that, it needs to be supported by precision health. So it's all about you especially if we're living in a person-centered focused world. And our care needs to move from just ill care to well care. <clears throat> we call it health care right now, but really it is ill care and supported by all the various dimensions of wellness, which we will go through and talk about. 
So with that said, let's talk about purpose. What can you do to find purpose? What is most of our uh, things that find uh, that we find purpose in? Well, number one is actually spending time with our loved ones. And I know in the midst of COVID-19, this has been challenging for most of us. Uh, we maybe have been able to connect with individuals over uh, Zoom or over WhatsApp or any of these other technologies. But the reality is, is that we find purpose like the ad when we spend time with our family and friends. ICAA, the organization that I represent, just did a survey uh, about six months ago that showed that uh, the top four things that individuals were looking at uh, participating in moving forward or wanted more of moving forward uh, in the midst of the pandemic is spending more time with family, spending more time with friends, by the way, it was the other way around, spending more time with friends, spending more time with family, uh, taking better care of their health and experiencing new things that they haven't. Why? Because we have shifted our priorities. And as you can see, these are some of the other things that we may want to think about as we try and find purpose in our lives, doing interesting and enjoyable things, being true to ourselves, living a faith-based life, all of these different things, but uh, uh, our goal is to live a fulfilling life. Now, to do that, we see that things are becoming very person-centered. All you have to do is look at television and look at all the different channels that are out there today. If you're a golfer, you have golfing channels. If you are a home builder, you have a home building channel, a baker, a baking channel, or baking shows, and on and on. Why? Because what we know today versus many years ago is that the aging process is very diverse and that no two individuals age at the exact same way or at the exact same rate. So we really need to become much more personalized in the services that are delivered and in the services that we seek to enable us to get better results. Now, one of the things that we have seen with that is a lot of the, these genomic testings, DNA, uh, epigenetic, epigenetics, that's a big word for me, uh, you know, in regards to, uh, you know, things like nutrition and all of that, we are able to become much more precise in our recommendations and in the solutions that are offered. So as you look to achieve this view of aging well, look for solutions that are catered to you. Let me give you an example of this. This is a report that just came out this past year from Deloitte. And Deloitte's report says basically by the year 2040, we can expect that we, the consumer, will be at the center of the health model. Now, we may be saying, well, we've always been at the center of the health model. I would probably challenge anyone on that. The reality is, is we have a whole healthcare system built around helping us, fixing us. But the reality is the future system is all about you being responsible for your health and well-being. And what will drive that is what is driving that right now as well. And that is technology. 
as they say here, the catalyst for change is radically, radically, I love that word, radically interoperable data, which empowers hyper-engaged consumers to sustain well-being and receive care only in the instance where well-being fails. What they mean by that is that we will be able to utilize a wide variety of technologies to identify when changes are occurring so that we will not have to rely strictly on the healthcare system. So let me give you an example of what we see today. Remember when you used to have to go to the doctor's office to get your oxygen levels uh, checked or if you were dehydrated or to have your blood pressure done, you don't have to do that anymore. What we're seeing is that our homes are becoming like our doctor's offices used to be, where many of us have uh, blood pressure cuffs, many of us have wearables that we're using now to monitor any and everything, uh, whether it's the, the ring on the left-hand side of this page that is uh, monitoring our dehydration level, whether it's on the right side, this little cuff monitoring our oxygen levels. I mean, the list goes on and on. You can actually, on your Apple Watch, do an EKG. So is it medically-based EKG? It, probably not. It still needs a little bit of work, but it's a guidance. So what we see today is that we have an opportunity to deliver and receive much more precise recommendations based on the tools that are available to us today. So how many of you are actually utilizing a wearable? I am. I just don't have it on today. Um, well, in our research study that, uh, that we did, we found that a large portion of you are, and I'll show you that in a second. But this is a wearable, if you haven't heard of, I certainly would uh, look at uh, checking out, and that is, it's called Whoop. Figured I'd have a little fun and say whooping it up. And this is a, a wearable to help us to achieve optimal performance. Why? Because think about going out and trying to play a game when you're exhausted or, you know, uh, overexerting physical activity when you are exhausted. This tells you how your sleep has been, uh, whether your performance would be best to do today or not, uh, how hard you should uh, exercise based on how much sleep you've had and your energy levels and so forth. We are getting much, much more precise in when to do things, how to do things, and now with artificial intelligence, being able to analyze and make recommendations instantaneously so that if there is a slight change in things like our glucose level or a slight change in our uh, heart rate over a period of time uh, or blood pressure or uh, any of the other um, biomarkers that we may want to look at, we will actually be able to alert the physician without even thinking about it. Why? Because it will actually enable us not to have to worry about things until a slight change occurs and then we can modify those changes instantaneously so they don't become bigger issues. That is the goal, that is the vision. Uh, and when we look at utilizing tools, you hear a lot of people say, well, you, you know, anybody over 50 doesn't uh, use technology anymore. Well, I was going to use a word that maybe I shouldn't use. My mother wouldn't be proud of me for using that word. What I'll say is that uh, our latest research shows that 32% of people 
over the age of 65 are utilizing wearables and 24% want to utilize a wearable. That is over half of the population over the age of 65 that wants to utilize a wearable. And the number one reason, to manage their health. Now, wearables come in many uh, forms. It could be a biometric shirt. If you're a golfer, maybe it uh, uh, tells you how you're swinging. It could be a, a patch that tells you if you're a diabetic, uh, whether your glucose levels are low. It could be a watch. It could be an ankle bracelet. Nope, that's if you're actually in prison, sorry. Um, there's a lot of different wearables that you can utilize to help you achieve that goal, okay? So think big. Think about what you want to do and how you're going to get there. Embrace the opportunity and work with the people uh, at the community that you're in to actually ask their advice, make recommendations. Here's what the future model, this is a, um, the Blue Zones Medical and Wellness Center or Wellbeing Center that is going to be opening up in the not too distant future in the Miami area. Imagine this walking in and having all of this data uh, about you. Now, you may go, I don't want all of that data about me. The thing is, you haven't had to do anything to really get that data. It's all been gathered underneath uh, or through your wearables and everything else. And the only time that you really need this is when you're going in for a recommendation or there's an issue at hand. But this ladies and gentlemen, and I've always wanted to say that, by the way, uh, this is actually what the future will look like. Highly specific recommendations to help us to age well. We'll also be able to uh, make these recommendations about around each and every one of us and our own bodies instead of generalizations. So, one little trend to pay attention to is we will see more tech hubs, uh, you know, or we'll see tech hubs becoming more and more common within many environments such as senior living communities. Why? Because more of us are use, using technology. Uh, it, for those who aren't using technology, just think about your, uh, your Roomba, if you've got it cleaning your apartment. If not, you've got your television, you've got your refrigerator, you've got your stove, all of those are being driven by tech. How many of us have Alexa and we're telling Alexa when to turn on the heat, when not to turn on the heat uh, and so forth. It's a different world today and what we need to do is we need to embrace it and uh, enjoy what it offers us. What the new model, as I showed you at the start that we will be introducing also highlights is the fact that for us, once we've figured out our purpose and we start to have uh, precise recommendations to go with it, we want to remain interconnected. Being socially connected is so important, especially now that we are living longer and with our families in multiple generations much longer than ever before. I have five generations in my household, my grandmother, my mother, uh, myself and my sisters, uh, you know, my kids. Well, actually, I lied. I, I, there are four, um, you know, but four generations in potentially some places living under the same roof. 
So there, there is an opportunity to connect in different ways because we're spending more of, a, more of our lives uh, with these connections in adulthood, our adult children, their adult children, their adult ch children's children. So, you know, how do we make the most out of these connections? How do we enjoy these connections? Well, one way is that we stay healthy. And to do so, you know, by the way, the social connection is also part of what will drive that health. That's why, remember, I just mentioned the four top future priorities that uh, were identified during our uh, research. So staying connected is crucial. And we know that in the midst of the pandemic and, you know, the, uh, the issues that we face with loneliness and mental health and depression, uh, being connected is crucial. Now, if you're not connected to your family and your friends are in different parts of the coast, you have neighbors, you have staff, go online, look for old friends that you used to go to school with and connect through things like Facebook, but use all of these tools for connection. The other part of how to live a better quality life is also think, think about interdependence not just independence and uh, interconnections, but interdependence. Let me give you an example of that. In Japan, as an example, one of the things that the government does is when people are out doing their Tai Chi at the start of the day, they've incentivized people to connect with their neighbors. Why? Because they have a caregiver crisis. They don't have enough, enough caregivers. And they feel that if neighbors know neighbors, they will mutually take care of each other when people need assistance, or people need help, or just simply gathering up groceries for someone. If you do that, and you get enough stamps of people that you've met, they will actually incentivize you and give you food. Not a bad incentive. I like food. What can I say? So don't just think about social connections and social events. We've all been to social events that are not very social because we're at a dance and we're sitting on the side of the room and we never connect with people. Think about who you can rely on, whether it is family, friends, workers, uh, and build that base of interdependence and interconnection. And by the way, governments, uh, doctors, senior living communities, uh, any of these organizations should also be thinking about how they can support interdependence through their policies and infrastructure. Uh, it, because at the end of the day, interdependence is just as vital as independence, which is what we're gonna talk about now. Of course, one of the things that happens to all of us if we are inactive, uh, <coughs> excuse me, if we are inactive and we have what I call the sitting disease, and that is we just want to sit all day, uh, and, and that is we begin <coughs> at the age of 35 to lose our strength. Now, why is that important? Because between the ages of 35 and 75, we lose about 50% of our strength and 75% of our power. Now think about getting up out of your chair. That takes two things, that takes strength and that takes power, the ability to move quick enough for you to get up and for you to be strong enough 
to move forward. So if you are lacking in those two areas, we do know that you can reverse a significant amount of that loss uh, simply over a very short period of time by doing strength training programs, work with the team at your community. It's, it's very straightforward, not very uh, complex. It just is what? Doing it. That's the hardest part of all of this is just doing it. Now, our goal is this. Our goal is to minimize our loss of strength. Our goal is to maintain our functional abilities as high as possible so that we can actually enjoy doing the things we want to do and remaining healthy throughout our, our lives. And a key, I will promise you this, one of the keys to that is your legs, your leg strength. I saw it with my father who was highly inactive and the only reason that he ended up moving from walking to a cane, to a walker, to a wheelchair, to a bed was because he lacked leg strength and he got simply too weak to be able to keep his body up. So there's a lot that you can do about that. Work with the team at, uh, at your community and make a difference. It will change your life completely. Our goal? maintaining independence and preventing disability. It's as simple as that. Here's what uh, you know it looks like. And that is we have five different levels of function. And depending on how healthy we are, depends on where we are along that continuum. You have on the left side, someone who's highly athletic. We've seen everybody in the senior games and uh, you know professional masters athletes and masters golfers and so forth to fit individuals, to an independent individual that maybe is lacking some level of fitness, but they are still independent on their own. And then we begin to move down the, uh, you know, the continuum to becoming frailer. And a lot of that is simply because of the choices that we make, not because of illness or disease. Yes, most of us by the time we get to the age of 65, almost the whole population has some form of chronic disease. But 65% of us are actually, or sorry, 80% of us are managing these diseases to the point where the World Health Organization now looks at the definition of healthy aging as maintaining one's functional abilities as opposed to the absence of disease. So keep strong keep healthy, keep engaged. That is the key. And you can move this either way, depending on how active you are and what you do uh, throughout your life. Just simply getting out of the house. Remember when you were growing up and you were a kid? My mother used to open the door, give you a little nudge outdoors, and you'd come back towards the end of the evening. You'd uh, run, you'd played games, you'd met with your friends. What's wrong with doing that? Nothing. So if you have a loved one that needs a little nudge, just open up the door and then close it behind them and see what happens. Maybe we'll have a, a wonderful result or maybe a lot of noise, one of the two. But all of this is creating the need for a new approach to physical activity because we know that there's a very small percentage of people over the age of 65 that are actually fully engaged in strength training 
as, as an example, only 12% of the population uh, over 65 actually does enough strength training to have an impact on their uh, abilities. So there's a research study that came out not very long ago. Uh, actually, this was 2021 uh, that said, we actually need to, which had great results and they were able to engage people when uh, behavior change is one of the biggest challenges. And it was all around reframing our approach to physical activity. It was moving away from encouragement of lifetime physical activity to individual tailoring of physical activity around what you wanted to do, being very prescriptive, like the gentleman in the ad. So utilize the professionals around you to help you achieve that. The other element uh, within that uh, uh, diagram or that circle was well care. We know the cost of putting wellness and pause in the midst of COVID-19. We've seen it, increase in addiction, loneliness, cognitive decline, fear, social isolation, lack of independence, mental health issues. Now we need to take our, our finger off pause confidently to actually manage these health issues. So let me give you an example of uh, what is so promising about all of this. Uh, and that is this report that just came out not very long ago from McKinsey, uh, their Global Institute showed that just using current interventions between now and 2040, over the next two decades, we could minimize the global uh, burden of chronic health diseases by 40%. So think about yourself, but also think about your family and their family and how you can actually help people to control their own health and well being by doing some very simple things. What we do know as an example is that just doing five simple things, women can extend their uh, life by 14 years and men by 12.2 years. This was a study that was done by the American Heart Association, came out a couple of years ago, 123,000 people. And I was excited. I was going, what are these new five things that everybody's got to do? And then, there were these, never smoke, exercising 30 minutes a day, having a normal BMI, uh, you know, uh, your body mass index, eating a healthy diet and consuming a moderate level of alcohol. How boring, I thought. My goodness gracious, there's nothing special about that. Here's the problem. There's nothing special about that, but only 8% of us do all of those things. We have within our control, not just simply the ability to live longer, but the follow-up study on this showed that these five things also significantly impacted things like delaying cancer, improving quality of life, increasing one's mobility, and so on. So it's not very complicated Years ago, I flew out and I interviewed Dr. Richard Carmona, the Surgeon General. Similar thing. You know, I spent a thousand bucks at the very last second because his PR people said, come out, he'll, he'll see you tomorrow. Wow. Okay. Jumped on a plane, 
went out, interviewed Dr. Carmona, and literally it was these five things plus a couple more, such as sleep and love the one you're with and reduce stress. And as I looked at him, I said, there's nothing new here. He said exactly what I just said to you. There is nothing new. It's doing it. So as we look at all of these things, think about how you can implement each and every one of these. And we're also embracing technology to help us live well as well. In a touchless uh, <coughs> environment because of COVID-19, you're seeing more and more of uh, technologies like this. This is a massager. This uh, machine uh, called Emma will actually give you a full body massage, highly personalized. It can tell how your body is feeling. It can tell where the uh, spots are that need to be worked on, uh, even more so using uh, artificial intelligence than your actual massage therapist. So not only is the uh, world changing and we are changing around it, but the tools that we're using are changing now and also gonna be changing in the future. And to get the most out of those, we just need to embrace them. And one of the things that is also changing is wellness. You know, people talk about wellness. Wellness isn't giving you a pill. Wellness isn't, <coughs> you know, um, the medical side of things. That is a, a portion of wellness. What wellness is, is it is derived from our ability to actually understand, accept, and act upon wherever we are in our functional capacity to lead a purpose-filled life. End of, end of conversation. That's it. So <clears throat> today, we're trying to help you understand a little bit more about what's possible. Question is, do you accept it or not? And do you act upon it or not? And does that help you to lead a more purpose-filled life? And by doing so, optimizing all the possibilities that are out there. To do that, there are seven different areas of life that we focus on at the ICAA. And that is your physical, which we've talked about, uh, your social, which we've talked about, spiritual, connecting with a greater being than ourself, whatever that being is, or being out in the outdoors and just enjoying and being in that moment. Vocational of, do you volunteer? Do you learn new skills, uh, new forms of vocation? By the way, <coughs> volunteering, not only is it great for you uh, from the science, but it's also extremely fulfilling, especially if it's things like mentoring or actually uh, being mentored. Uh, the emotional health, by the, by the year 2020, which was only a couple of years ago, seems so quick. Uh, the second leading cause of premature death and disability, according to the World Health Organization, was expected to be depression. In the midst of this pandemic, one of the uh, population segments that has been impacted by mental health issues are people over the age of 65. So utilize what tools and technologies they are, whether it is yoga, whether it's meditation, whether it is just simply 
as my daughter says, chilling out and just being quiet to reduce your stress and increase your mental health. So as we begin to wrap all of this up, what we know after all of these years of researching um, from top to bottom, uh, every angle that you can think of when it comes to uh, population aging and aging in general and lifestyles, is that today we have much greater human potential than we thought 20 or 30 years ago. Thus why we see things like uh, the definition of retirement and uh, moving to becoming a new chapter instead of what it used to be. We see clothing change. We see lifestyles change. We see access to things have all changed. The question is whether we embrace it or not, whether, whether we go out there and we utilize it. Because what we do know is that our capabilities are much, much greater than what we once thought. Doctors used to actually think that, uh, or doctors actually used to flog uh, cigarette smoking. They don't today. Things change. And what we know is that individuals like this gentleman are part of what's driving the change around how we age. If you're not familiar with this gentleman, this is Fajut Singh. Fajut Singh, at the age of 100, completed the Toronto Marathon. Now, why do I show you this? People will say, well, that's an extreme example. Yes, it is an extreme example. But Fajit Singh didn't start running until he was in his 80s. The other part of that is that he shows us what we are capable of. Will we ever get there? That choice is yours. Uh, you know, do we want to get there? That choice is yours. But we are capable of getting there if we put the effort in depending on where we are today. So what we know is that today, we are much better off than we were 30 years ago. Today, individuals who are 75 and 80 have better muscle strength on average, uh, walking speed, reaction time, verbal fluency, reasoning, and working memory. So take advantage of those. And as the definition of healthy aging is, getting out there and doing the things you want to do, embrace that. So I want to ask a couple of questions. And that is when people in their seventies and eighties uh, should no longer be considered old, but active adults, how does the conversation change? According to Dr. Sarah Harper at the uh, Oxford Institute in aging, her definition of individuals are, is that we are not old until we are at the stage that we are bedridden and that we are in need of constant care. Otherwise in that we are active adults. The question is how active and how engaged we are. Now, if we have a population that doesn't view themselves as old, by the way, uh, between the ages of 40 and 90, 85% of the people do not see themselves as old. My grandmother at 110 talks about those old people. We have a time in, uh, we have a time right now where everything is morphing and changing. And we are filled with opportunities that we never had. How many of you uh, have had your kids or grandkids tell you this? Don't wear that, not at your age. The reality is 
for us to embrace all of what we have talked about today first starts with changing our language. And our language needs to embrace aging instead of resist it. So much so that uh, actually we need to pivot where we are and start talking about, yes, I can, instead of no, I can't, instead of fixing people to letting people embrace this new form of life. Our challenge is that ageism gets in the way of that, whether it is at a healthcare level, whether it's at a political level, we've seen that in the midst of COVID-19 where uh, the media and also uh, pundits were talking about uh, older adults as the most vulnerable and ageism was all over the place. We know actually that ageism has a distinct negative impact on our quality of life. So much so that we can lose 7.6 years of life uh, by just thinking negatively about how we view our aging process. So think about that. If you know someone that's negative, try and change their perception. Hopefully they're not your partner because what ends up happening is if your partner is uh, negative about aging, you're actually less likely to get support from them in the caregiving role or as a care carer, I should say. So like everything, let's change our language, change the way we age. Uh, there's a significant impact on our ability to get care and uh, on chronic health diseases. Ageism resulted in 17.04 million cases of just eight health conditions. What else can you say? Things have to change. And so they will. So I want you to ask yourself a very simple question. How will a healthier, older population impact society? It's up to us to answer that. Yes, us. Here's a very simple answer. Remember I mentioned about 40% of chronic health conditions could be uh, removed or eradicated, uh, reducing the uh, global burden. Uh, that impact would have a significant impact on the GDP, $12 trillion between now and 2040 uh, would be added back into the GDP. Why? because people would have fewer earlier deaths, fewer health conditions, more people would be engaged in society, more people would be uh, productive, and it's all good for us. And it's all good. So what does that actually mean? Well, what that means is that aging well is the greatest gift of all. Think about the products and services and the industries that need to be created to help us achieve that. Think about how we need to rethink the workplace for people who want to work longer. How families will have to change if instead of leaving work to care for your mom and dad, everybody is involved in uh, you know, contributing to the household. Not that uh, they aren't contributing, but contributing in different ways. Um, travel changes, taxes change, healthcare, 
Remember, we were talking about the healthcare model changing to be focused on the individual. Housing models, 59% of all senior living communities expect to be wellness-based by 2023. Uh, schools are changing. Uh, individuals are moving to senior living communities on campus to learn new skills or to learn new callings. Uh, Reskilling, there's an opportunity there. Entrepreneurs, one of the fastest growing segments is amongst people 50 plus. Consumerism, 75% of the disposable income is in the hands of people 50 plus. Reduction in caregivers because we're in better health and maintaining more of our savings because we don't have to spend it on caregivers. These are just some quick little off the top of my head points, but each and every one of these provides wonderful opportunities for us as we move forward. And it's all based on fulfilling this model, creating new industries, new languages, new rules, programs, products, education, and places. What is your role in all of that? Only you can answer that. But here's what it will look like. We'll live in a world that is much more flexible, much more collaborative, much more adaptive to our needs, our capabilities, much more personalized, empowering, engaging. Uh, the list goes on. So as we wrap things up here, the next normal is actually the unattainable is now attainable. Things that we once thought were just for the young are now also available for all of us. What is normal? Normal is all that we have got used to. So it's time to get used to a new view of how we grow older, how we contribute to society, how can society contributes to us. And now it's up to you. At the end of the day, it's up to you. The question is, will you embrace the gift of aging well or not? Our brand promise as an industry and as an organization is to live a better, longer life. Three words to do that. Have aspiration and purpose, inspired and empowered, and access to the services that can help you fulfill that vision. So with that said, I'd like to thank you all for uh, participating in this session today and turn that over or turn it over, uh, you know, back to you, Melissa, and away we go. Yeah, I think there's a lot of really good information there. Um, so that's a lot of things that uh, I don't think people even, they even knew existed, quite frankly. Um, and we, we will have a couple of questions here, especially about wearables. I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. But before we do that, uh, Colin, um, you are the CEO of International Council of Active Aging. How can people utilize that site to maybe take those first steps into this initiative? So we provide education, information, resources, and tools. And we know that the more educated someone is, odds are that they're probably healthier because they are making better decisions. So the first thing is become educated. Don't just Google and pull information off of uh, a random site. If you are looking for something, look at the scientific sites, look at the CDC, look at uh, you know even, even someone like WebMD, uh, and so forth. There is a, a, 
endless stream of information out there now. When I first started 20 years ago, there wasn't. Uh, now, every single day, there is a lot out there. There's a lot out there. I would look globally at the World Health Organization as an example, as Erna mentioned. Uh, you know, and I sit in two of their different advisory groups, and I can tell you they are looking at re-envisioning everything from long-term care to healthy aging, which they have already started to re-envision. So remain connected and think. Remember I said we need to pivot to the word yes? It's really easy to say no. It's much harder to say, yes, I'll do that. Yes, you know, somebody used to come over when you're a kid knocking the door and you would be hey, you want to go out and play? Well, of course, most of the time. So just say yes. Yeah. And so when you talk about WebMD and all of these options out there, it's, it's almost too much. So if somebody's, you know, they, they realize, okay, you know, I'm not, not 25 anymore. I'm, I'm 75 and I, I want to live a little bit longer, but I want to be healthy while I'm doing it. You know, there, there's a lot of options to choose from and as to what the guidelines are, what you could or couldn't be doing. So it may be the case of your dad, as you explained, you know, there was a general, uh, just a sort of progression, right, from walking, wheelchair. Uh, so how can somebody take those first steps? Because we, we typically find that in cases like that, or like your dad, it's really taking that first step and that initiative to get started. And so how can we get people doing that right now? First step starts up here. And that is changing the mindset to, I want to do something about this. Remember I said only 8% of the population are doing all those five things. Uh, so we know that behavior change is a very hard thing to do, but make that commitment to yourself. And then from there, seek out someone who can help you. If you live in one of the communities, uh, you know, the Arbor communities, seek out assistance that can help you. If you're outside of that, look for a professional to give some guidance. Even the best uh, players in the world have a coach. And there's a reason for it. And that is that we all need some inspiration and some guidance. So find someone that you can work with to guide you forward. You may uh, utilize them for a period of time and then outlive that person, not literally, uh, I mean, outlive their, their knowledge and move on to someone else, but the key is starting. It's like people always say, how do I start a walking program? My comment is one foot in front of the other. Right, right, great advice. And it, it does sound so simple, but I guess in reality it really is, but it, it is about, like you said, starting here and, and making those first steps. And, and I guess a lot of people who joined us today, they took that first step to, to be a part of this webinar. So we thank Absolutely. you for that. Um, let's get with uh, a couple of questions here. Lauren asks, uh, there are many different wearables these days, and we did talk about that at length in your presentation. Um, and these wearables have all the bells and whistles. Uh, for those of us over 65, what are the most important features to look for? Depends what your goal is. Uh, you know, if you are going to become a, a, a triathlete, let's use that as an example, you want to have something that's really going to monitor you very closely and be very accurate in regards to uh, what you want to record. The, the question is always, what are you using it for? What do you want to record? Uh, you know, in general, um, you know, probably your, your most accurate uh, form of information is what you put in here. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you can put in all your nutritional information into different apps. You can put in your fitness information and it will give you recommendations. Um, but, you know, there are medical wearables such as patches that will monitor your glucose level, tell you when you need to take it, uh, take your shots and so forth. So, you know, in as a general comment, if you're just looking to get healthy, uh, a simple wearable like a Fitbit or an Apple Watch, and just start off using the simple elements of it, heart rate, steps, distance, those simple things. And then once you get comfortable with that, then start looking at the other things that it offers and say, okay, I'll utilize those. Um, and over a period of time, uh, just become very familiar with whatever tool you choose. But what I would do is I would do my research uh, on the internet to find um, ratings of the most accurate tool. Yeah, and is there anything coming out on the horizon that that could be maybe the, the latest and greatest or, or the best, if you will, of wearables that, that maybe people aren't aware of yet? Well, I'll tell you one of the technologies that's coming out that I'm super excited about. And I mean, like super excited about, I'll do that again. Super excited about. Are you super excited, Colin? I'm I'm just super, you know, I have over here to sell you. No. Um, uh, And that is that there is a new technology coming out that uh, will manage uh, the shaking of someone's hands with Parkinson's. It's, uh, it's, it's new, I can't remember the name of it, but it just got announced recently. Think about it, if, if this is what is happening all the time, and then all of a sudden you can bring a little bit of calmness to that, that completely changes someone's life. Yeah, that, that is amazing. And, and I know that when we were, we did your preview, we talked about robots that are in different countries. That's not really a wearable, but it is new technology that can take you around almost as a tour guide from the, the comfort of your living room <laughs> and in other places. I thought that was cool technology. So uh, technology is, it is, it's not going anywhere and it's only going to get better and better and better. So thank you for that. Um, let's look at Marilyn and her question. Thanks for the wake up call. I'm 80 and we'll get moving more to reverse the slowness I have noticed in the last uh, year and a half. Um, really since the COVID situation slowed everybody down, our health safety uh, at this older age. She says, I'm looking forward to the new normal. I will get back to my senior tap dancing class as a start to move in the right direction. And she is like so many other individuals at her age where you know you almost had to sit and be sidelined for an entire year because you couldn't do anything. You, you, had, to, you had to be inside, you couldn't go out. So what would you say to someone like Marilyn who is just trying to get get their groove back, if you will? Well, and I think you just said it, get your groove back. Yeah. Start, be realistic. A lot of times, you know, and I'm guilty of this is I'll go out in the soccer field and I'll play against 20 year olds and I haven't played for 30 years and I'll think I'm, you know, the star that I used to be. Not so. So, you know, start off very realistically and build up. You'll be surprised how quickly your capabilities begin to come back, but you have to start. Throwing yourself into something is just going to do nothing but harm. Yeah. 
and, and that actually goes to our next question. And I really think this is an important question. Uh, you have been doing all of these uh, things you mentioned and are very active, but then you develop a physical problem that prevents you from doing all that. Now what? Adapt. That, uh, you know, there, there's a thing called um, optimize, uh, optimization. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. You know, there's some fancy words out there that uh, is in the science, but um, the, the reality is you want to adapt. If you used to be a runner, and your knees are giving you a problem, walk. If you used to be a walker and your knees are giving you a problem, go in the pool. You know, what we have found is that we need to adapt. Um, I interviewed years ago, Dr. Stephen Blair, who is one of our advisory board members. And Stephen said, there is basically, or there's virtually no condition with the exception of a very small amount uh, that cannot benefit from moving. Mm -hmm. So build up your tolerance, move, find a new way of doing things. I have a problem with my rotator cuff. This is as far back as I can go. Okay. It plays hell with a overhead tennis shot. Sure. So I've moved over to uh, pickleball and most of the shots are lower down. So, uh, you know, just adapt and optimize that adaptation. Yeah. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, those are things we don't think about. It's like, oh, I can't play my favorite sport, but you might be able to do something that's similar, but as you said, just has a different range of motion or diff using different muscles or groups of your body that maybe have nothing to do with the injury that you do have. So, but I think that is a really good question, William. So thank you for that. Um, another question we have here from Lauren, what are some good resources to learn about strength training for seniors? The local health clubs do not appear to be equipped for seniors needs. And we see that a lot. You know, one of the great resources, and I had the pleasure of being involved in uh, putting it together was um, the physical activity and exercise guidebook from the National Institute on Aging. Uh, it's downloadable. I don't know if you can still order a free in-print copy. They used to do that. I don't know if they do anymore, uh, but it is filled with the latest science. It's also filled with exercises that you can do. Um, the other thing is also <coughs> look at guidelines. Uh, as an example, there was a report that came out this past week that was based on um, a group of scientists that was a consensus on things that you should be doing. There, there's a, a lot of that kind of information and you'll find that kind of information in the scientific literature, probably not at your health club, um, unless you have somebody that is really connected, but go to places like the Center for Disease Control, the American College of Sports Medicine and the World Health Organizations. Those, those three will offer you uh, physical activity guidelines, but it's really, simple. The, the new guidelines have moved more and more to just simply moving, getting up and moving because movement matters and just exercising for 12 or uh, for 30 minutes in 24 hours isn't enough. It's our regular physical activity, walking to the store instead of driving, if you can. Uh, you know, those simple kind of things that build it in throughout the day. And I think you did answer twice now, perhaps the question from Erna, and that is what is the WHO, the World 
Health Organization. Yes. So we hope that that answers that question. Um, we are uh, just five minutes past the hour. So if anybody has any last questions they want to ask Colin, this is a really good time to get them in. Um, Colin, before we leave you, I, I do want to sort of tap into maybe that wealth of knowledge that you picked up from your, uh, your grandmother that's 110. Um, so what are her keys to, to longevity? What has she passed on to you? What are maybe the top two or three things? Be curious. You know, if you're if you're curious, you're engaging your mind. If you're curious, you're probably speaking to people. If you're curious, you're looking and you're learning. Uh, and all the things that we talk about, being curious plays into most, if not all, of those. So be curious and learn a new skill. You know, uh, um, Chip Conley, who wrote the book Wisdom: The Making of a Modern Elder. Um, you know, Chip has been a good friend of our organization, and one of the things that Chip does every two years is he learns a new skill and he tries to master that skill. So, it, not only is he being curious, but he is, you know, challenging himself with that curiosity. And then, uh, you know, uh, last of all, be engaged and be active. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I think this has been a very enlightening webinar, a great conversation. Like I said, a great way sort of to end 2021 and get you to start thinking about those New Year's resolutions for 2022. And I think you've done a fantastic job of doing that. Uh, a quick question here from Jim. Uh, he said he was late, about an hour late. No problem, Jim. Is it being recorded? Yes. So everybody here will get a copy of this webinar in their email tomorrow. Colin, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing what has been many years of, of uh, combined uh, knowledge between you, your grandmother, and, and, and the people that you have surrounded yourself with. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Well, it's been my pleasure, and I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with everyone today. Yeah. And again, if you came in a little bit late, no worries. We will have this webinar available starting tomorrow. It will be sent to your email, all of you who RSVP'd, and you can share that link with friends and family. We certainly hope that you do. And we do hope you were able to add to that New Year's resolutions list, uh, courtesy of Colin and his wonderful knowledge. So uh, as always, you can head on over to www.seniorlivinglive.com to catch the rest of our video content available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all about senior living. As always, we appreciate you all watching Senior Living Live. Happy holidays to all of you. We will see you again next year.